Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash presale to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games, exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6. No refunds. Here comes the Rocket from center. Passes the blue line. Moves it on goal. Shoots. He scores. Henrik scores. Henrik Sedin on the power play, and it's 3-0. Tries a wrist, and he scores. Quinn Hughes with his second of the afternoon. It was the power play which ended up costing the Vancouver Canucks. Elias Pettersson gives the Vancouver Canucks a power play goal and a 2-1 lead. It's an eight-game point streak for Brock Besser. And the Canucks have scored on their last three power plays. It's 4-0. Well, boys, we're doing an early one this week. We also found out that Vancouver ain't no hub city. Ain't no love in the hub of a city. Na 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 na. Welcome to the PP1 podcast, episode 44, the Bertuzzi episode. Some might call it the Gabranson episode. Those people are wrong. This is the Todd Bertuzzi episode. Boys, it's always a good time. Always a fun time when I get to hang out with both of you guys, whether it's Zoom or in real life. Um, usually I'm saying hello to Brady first. So this week, Ted, what's going on? My dude. I like that uh, that intro. That was really solid. I don't know, B. Maybe you heard that too. There was like seemed like there was a bit of auto tune happening there. That was that's, nice. Uh, yeah, that was really good. I don't know. I don't, that's that's probably some sort of weird function you got going on, or it was just really a, a bad connection. So I'm down with I'm down with both. I love auto tune. But yeah, man, it's uh yeah we're here. It's like Canada Day tomorrow. It is. Let's let's hope for some nice weather. It's been like garbage on the weekends nice during the week so let's hope it, it switches up this week yeah man i'm stoked absolutely brady you're looking good hey, what's shaking downtown bud hey thanks man you know shave my face today gotta get a haircut soon um downtown man downtown life's good they uh they cut off bernard uh as of yesterday i saw the pedestrian that pedestrian walk downtown yeah so, so that'll be pretty cool yeah um i'm like right on the corner there so it's it's pretty neat for me um, looking forward to getting to do that uh, on Canada Day tomorrow. The, crack de- the crack dealers by your house must just love that. Now they can walk <laughs> wherever they want. Yeah, no kidding, right? And That's for great. anybody who doesn't know, so Bernard is like the main drag downtown in Kelowna. He used to so suck. they shut the whole thing down. And now all the businesses, all the restaurants and stuff have like opened up these big patios. So it's just like open to the public, no vehicle, no traffic. Yeah, it's just a way of the city trying to get business for... Uh, you know, for all the restaurants, they're expanding how much how many people they can have, right? So it's, it's a, good, be a good, good time. You know what? We speaking of uh, the opened up Bernard, we hit up Mulix tonight before the podcast, Ooh. and uh, yeah, took the kids. We had uh, my my kids are in speed skating, so they haven't really seen their group for like two and a half months. So we had kind of an impromptu scooter meetup at Stewart Park and rollerblades and stuff. So we're like, yeah, let's go get some ice cream. So. Uh, we had at Mulix, which is a, a fixture downtown, and um, it was delicious. I'm not gonna lie, and um, yeah, Bernard's looking good. I'm I'm excited. I hope uh, Kelowna has a big summer downtown because uh, we're definitely the spot for. Well, normally it'd be NHLers, but it looks like they might be going back to work. But I'm gonna get into that a little bit later. Everybody else is muted. Mulix, <laughs> favorite Mulix, favorite Mulix ice cream, Ryan. Um, oh. You know what? I'm a sucker for the mint chip, but you know what? I changed it up today. Oh. I changed it up. I went uh, always a waffle cone. Has to be a waffle cone. Has to be. Um, but I went with peanut M&Ms. Didn't even know they made that, so that was just a pleasant <laughs> surprise. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. You didn't know they made peanut M&Ms? Not ice cream. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not we were stupid. Gonna have, we were going to have issues here <laughs> if you didn't know about peanut M&Ms, but we're okay. You know, it's only a fixture of my childhood, but whatever. Um so yeah, I went with the peanut M&M and then I went with uh, the game changer, honey lavender. Now, I know that makes me sound a little bit soft. It smelled like lavender. As soon as you had that first lick of the ice cream, it, it basically like tasted like I was like licking a lavender bush, which is really, don't, don't <laughs> actually do that. lavender bush. Yeah. Nice. And it's, uh, it's like uh, light 
purple color or lavender it's lavender. if you will it is it is it is <laughs> my uh actually maybe Brady, i should just ask you but what's your uh what's your your favorite moolix ice cream Ooh, man uh it's a toss-up between birthday cake get out of here chocolate peanut butter okay, okay that's that's yeah what do you, you ever go for both oh. at the same time every time birthday. every time <laughs> birthday cake i'm 10 and then a normal choice <laughs> yeah yeah i like you brady you're good you're good I, uh, you're good people we got a we got a moolix just opened up like down the road from my house in rutland oh yeah so yeah, that's I li- fancy. yeah i live in the hood rutland is the hood for mm-hmm. anybody who doesn't know it's not really the hood but um but my deal is they have this uh well, they, there's two deals actually. One is like a pre-mix thing that they do. It's called the Ita- cherry Italian stallion. Hmm. It's like they put these Italian cherries on, like just regular vanilla in a waffle bowl with like whipped cream. Is that why you're jumping around like, like Sylvester like, Stallone over there? Like, like Rocky. Yeah. Um, but the real deal is, uh, this this ice cream called Bad Cop, which is like somewhat fitting for the times we're in now. Um, but it's like they mix coffee, which is like I saw that coffee, coffee flavored ice cream, right? Mm-hmm. But they mix that with um, a donut, so coffee and a donut, bad cop, right? Got it. But the donut they use is called the Kelowna, which is like a super famous Kelowna oh. donut. It's like this pastry style donut that's filled with cream and deliciousness, and they just really, literally, they just mash this this thing up, chop it in there, throw it in the coffee ice cream, so it's coffee flavored donut ice cream, and it's bomb. It's so good. I got a take on this. And there's going to be a lot of Kelownaites that may hate me and maybe will unfollow and unsubscribe to this. Here's a hot take. The Kelowna isn't that great. Shut your mouth. It isn't that great. I will say it again. You can mute me. I mean, kick me out. I don't care. It's it's good, but it, it's not worth the hype that it gets. I think oh, there you're, are... You're so full of no, crap. Your I'm taste not. buds are broken. No your way. Your taste buds are broken. I know that if I keep talking, you won't be able to be I'm going to tell you. is not good. I'm going to test you here. So there was a place called Delicious. Do you remember that? I do, yeah. Or the Lake, uh, there was a Lakeview Bakery on the west side. That, that Delicious was that shitty donut shop that closed down because it didn't have any business, right? No, the dad got cancer and he decided to sell the business. Wow, you're a jerk. Oh, okay. I didn't wow, know wow. Definitely feel bad now. You should. Anyway, they have this donut. <laughs> this, this got really dark all of a sudden. Um, so they have this donut called the American Bismarck and it's basically that donut, but better. They fill it with actual like whipped cream in there, like a, a, a properly whipped cream. You could eat like 10 of these things. It's they, those, that's the donut that should get the proper hype. That's it. That's and can, it my you, piece. can you get the Bismarck still? No, the business closed down. Well, then it's, then it's the Kelowna. No, Brady, I need a deciding answer here. I... I couldn't. I don't know, man. I don't think I've. <laughs> he's I don't like, even know. I'm not touching he's this one. On the fence, Brady. He he's probably hasn't it either. <laughs> though, so know, that's guys. fair. That's fair. But anyway, that's so we're we're done. We're we're done our our ice cream and our um our, our talk. You know what? Before we get before we get any crazier here and get into something completely off topic. Speaking of podcasts, should we should we drop this right now? What's going on this week, on Friday? What's what's happening this Friday? Friday? You know what's going on. What are we doing on Friday? Friday? Yeah, what's happening? Yes, we are meeting up. We got a big with lunch date. Chris Faber from Canucks Conversation, the PP One Podcast meets the Chris Faber on Friday. And where are we going? <laughs> Either Cecil's pierogies or uh, Mad Mango. I think we should do Cecil's because then Colin might listen to this episode. He love <laughs> he loves him some Cecil's. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. I mean, I, th- if, uh, I think we should. I think we should do Cecil's or Mad Mango's. Cool with that, but then afterwards, maybe go to Craft or something like that. Take them to a local brewery. It's a long afternoon. Well, they're they're right there. It's like a right across the street. So that's fair. That's fair. So anyway, well, at least we'll have the whole pedestrian walkway. You know, that's we, we true. got all the options. <laughs> there you so. go. See, we'll we'll hit them all. We'll be able to show Chris a good time. Money is just a piece of paper. <laughs> anyway, anyway, yeah, that'll be a good time. You guys. What about uh, the newest uh, Canuck, newest family member, 
Gunner John Horvat. I like that. What a name. It's very Icelandic. Mm. It's very Mighty Ducks. Machine Gun Kelly? Well, I uh, maybe. I was going to say more like Gunner Stahl. I don't Gunner think it's Stahl. possible, but... Like Gunner Stahl from Mighty Ducks. Gunner, Gunner Ooh, Stahl. Yeah, Gunner Stahl. Let's go shake their hands. Mm. Captain Duck. Could you imagine when he gets drafted uh, and he like knocks out whatever the Ducks captain is and he's like, your move, Captain Duck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's 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 whatever. It cool, cool name, Gunner Stahl. I like it. Gunner Horvat. I'm I'm all over it. This kid's born to be a hockey player. Oh man. Like I like so it. So over or under forty eight hours until we see him in a Canucks jersey. Well, been what well, how long has it been already? It's already been forty eight hours, I think. Okay, well over then. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I guess we figured that one out. Oh my goodness. Jeez, this summer is really killing it. Eh? Sorry, I'm a, I'm a little rusty. It's been a couple of weeks for That's me. Sorry, okay. Guys. That's all right. You know what? Here, I'll I'll roll us in. So Brady, because I didn't see this, I was I don't even know what I was doing, but the draft lottery. Um looks like the Canucks still have a shot at uh winning that Alexis Alexi Lafreniere. What uh what's the scoop with that? What happened on the draft lottery? Because I literally missed absolutely everything so whoever's well versed speak up well i guess i can take over a little um i mean this year was obviously a little different seeing as how we didn't finish the season but they kept the draft lottery kind of the same how um the seven teams that won't be returning were involved and then they had to involve the eight losing teams of the play-in series but they had them kind of categories categorized by name by a letter and uh, mystery team letter E ended up winning the draft lottery. So there will be a mystery team. One of the losing teams will be walking away with the first overall pick. So there will be eight uh, teams, all the losing teams, after the first play-in series, say either the Canucks or the Minnesota Wild will go. And then uh, they'll get thrown into a hat of eight teams. So they'll have a 12.5% chance of winning the first overall pick or the Alexis Lafreniere sweepstakes. Mystery team Erickson. Hmm. <laughs> mm, yeah. You're right. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I tried. I tried. Ted, what, what's your take on this whole uh, draft lottery and basically the Canucks still having a chance to, uh, to lock in the top pick? Oh, man. Okay. Well, yeah. So the picks worked out kind of funny. LA ends up slotting in at like two. I think Ottawa got third, which is Ottawa you know, got screwed. Yeah, Ottawa comes in at third. They got screwed because they had two picks. I think it worked out to something like a, they had a twenty-five percent chance of picking first, and they end up picking third and fifth. So Detroit definitely got humped in this whole thing too because they had a twelve and a half percent chance of picking first. They pick fourth. Um. And then, you know, your regular, sus your usual suspects are in there, Anaheim, New Jersey, Buffalo. Um, mm -hmm. The placeholder team, which was kind of interesting, um, got, that won the first overall pick, essentially has like a 2.5% chance in the play-in round of winning. So, like, I mean, this could be someone like Edmonton or Pittsburgh if they get upset in the first round or something like that. would be just ridiculous if, mm -hmm. if a team like Pittsburgh, after winning Cups, walks away and gets the pick first overall. It's Lafreniere. So that drives me like a little bit nuts. Um, and I think placeholder teams on the whole had like a 24.5% chance of winning the lottery with all of their all of their pick entries combined. So I feel like after all of those numbers that it's like the hugest amount of bullshit. Like, like why on earth, like why on earth should teams that are finishing that high even get a shot, even get a sniff? at the number one overall pick when, and I understand tanking and all this stuff and Ottawa and the whole reason they brought the rule is because teams tank, but that's fucking terrible. Like why, why do they even get it? Why do they even get a sniff at this? Like those, those, the best players should go to the worst teams bar none. Like we, I don't think there should be any scenario. And I think it's a bad look on the league and I think it's an easy thing to fix. And I think after this, it will get repaired so that we don't have teams potentially like Pittsburgh or Edmonton pick first in this scenario. And I know there's a lot of talk like 
hey, we want Vancouver to 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 lose so that we can get a chance at the high pick, or you know, the other side of the bus is like, hey, we want Vancouver in the playoffs to try to play for a cup. But like, if they were to lose, it's not like we're getting that first overall pick because like, let's be honest, this is Canuck luck here, right? So, I mean, I say we got to play to get in and keep on playing. That's a whole other topic I know. But I think the way the whole lottery works is a big joke. I think it's a black eye on the league. And I think we're the laughing stock of all the pro sports. And it's 100% something that needs to be fixed. Well, you mean just like, do you mean just like the lottery in general and just kind of how they give each team a certain percentage? Uh, no, I think that's fine. Like that, that portion of the lottery makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. But you don't need to include... You know, teams want, you don't need to include teams you know, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. Like, right. what is the point of that? Like, yeah, those teams had bad season, but you can be like, you can just barely miss the playoffs depending on what division you're in and still have a shot at the number one overall pick. I don't care if it's 2% chance, still get a chance. Like, they shouldn't even get sniffed, especially mm-hmm. in this scenario. Like, well, the fact that we opinion. lose now, we get a 12.5% chance. And what is that? Usually something that what the third or fourth worst team in the league usually gets. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's like, that's a huge bonus for all those teams. And as a Canucks fan, like, I mean, I'm not complaining, um, but I would probably be complaining if say he lands in Edmonton or, or, you know, somewhere in the West coast where I don't want him to show up. So, so uh, but what do you guys think? Do you think this whole scenario, this whole mystery pick, you know, and this year it happening with COVID season, you know, is it just coincidence? I just want to add something to that too. Ted, you were saying how the system's broken, and I'm. this is not the first time you'd be hearing what I'm about to say. But what they need to do is take that entire system, and you can have basically your bottom three teams are the ones that essentially would would get um, you know those top three picks. If you've been in the lottery the year prior, you can't be in that top three. However, they figure it out, and we've probably talked about this before, but there needs to be a way that they can eliminate how this whole lottery system works and all the percentages and all this. Cause you're right. It's kind of ridiculous. The worst teams at some point need to get better, which is how you saw Chicago get to where they were, LA, Pittsburgh, Washington. You look at all those teams and it took time, you know, Washington didn't win the cup until a couple of years ago. It took Pittsburgh a while before um, they really got a proper sniff. Like Sidney Crosby didn't win his first year and he had to, to earn his stripes and he lost to Detroit. You, there's a lot of players that, you know, it took a long time to get to that point. Chicago, again, great example. They struggled for a while before they became an absolute powerhouse and, and an overall dynasty, but there needs to be a better way to do this. Edmonton clearly had all their opportunities and they blew almost all of them. There needs to be a way where it still uh, makes sense to have a bad season to you know if things are just not working out that you're not necessarily tanking because you wouldn't be guaranteed that top pick but at least they can shuffle those those final three or final five or whatever that looks like so it it does have some kind of chance where you know you might lose but you still have an opportunity to win that pick but then eliminate everybody else and then seed it as it needs to be i think it's it is it's a flawed system and you look at the nfl and the the bottom placing team wins the first pick it seems to work out just fine for the nfl now again they've got larger rosters and there's only a handful of you know useful players you could have the number one pick and you might not necessarily take you know the best quarterback that's in the draft or whatever you might end up picking like a d end or something so in hockey you know essentially you should be taking best player available but it doesn't always work that way either my take on this whole thing was and we could probably maybe i'll save this for uh, when we get into um, you know the whole talk of losing or or, or uh, going through the playoffs, but maybe I'll leave that for a second. Um, Brady, go back to your Hub City question. Sorry, I went off on a rant there. No, yeah, sorry. Uh, I just mean I didn't mean to get ahead of you there, but it's just kind of funny how, to me anyway, that it's just weird that the mystery team just happens to win this year. I mean, you know, there were quite a few mystery teams that could win it, but it's just funny that. All the other mystery teams, they stay below the other seven teams, except for the one that wins it. It it, it it catapults above everyone else to pick number one. It's a little fishy, but I mean, it is what it is. Um, and I'm not in the I'm not there to to know if it's a conspiracy theory or not. But it's uh, it's interesting for sure. What do you guys think about it? Does it make you want to watch more now? 
Like, as far as the NHL is concerned, and again, yeah, it does seem a little odd, but I know there's guys in a room that are watching this, so it is legit. Does mm-hmm. it make you want to watch that? First of all, we'll talk about as a Canucks fan, or just anyone else that has an opportunity to be in that play-in or lose out and get in that that uh, that percentage. I think that that makes the league a little bit more intriguing, knowing that whoever potentially loses out has a shot to get them. And I mean, for me, it's it's a little bit of a bonus knowing that uh, first of all, it's exciting that the Canucks are in a playoff-like series and i i've got my own opinion on on what should happen there but yeah i mean for the casual fan that's maybe getting into it and wants to see um their team finally get a player that they can get excited about their team a little bit more like colorado's had in the last little bit now they've got cups to talk about but um you know if you found out you're about to get kale mccarr let's say this season if it was his draft year and all of a sudden you found out hey you know one of the teams in the playoffs is going to have a chance to to get that first overall pick over everybody that's already had that opportunity. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like now we're rolling into conspiracy stuff, which I feel like I don't want to ever be a part of talking about <laughs> on on the show. But uh, I don't know. Does it does it make you want to watch more more playoffs if if your team has a chance to bow out and pick first overall? Like, I mean, if your team's out in round one of the play-ins like are you going to keep watching or are you worried about basically the next thing that's coming up which is tuning into the next lottery like is that where they're trying to get tune-ins to happen so it's I mean, another storyline like just you did pardon yeah it, i guess it's part of the storyline it's it just another beast, story but like, does it like it, you're not going to continue watching if your team is out the playoff i would think the average fan wouldn't watch so yeah i don't know it's kind of like a funny one but I, I just don't think that if if you're in the dance to play for Lord Stanley's Cup, essentially play in or play off, whatever you're calling it, you shouldn't be able to pick number one overall. It's like it's no. stupid. You're right. No, it's absolutely crazy. Um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. We were. I hate when that happens. I've never even been on a train. If that's actually that's not true, I was on a train two summers ago in Summerland. It's a good time. Okay, we're just going to have to edit that out. No, I'm keeping the train thing. No, Ted, I think, uh, I, I don't know if there's a conspiracy theory necessarily. I agree. There's, you shouldn't have a shot at the first overall pick if you're in any kind of playoff. I think that's absolutely ridiculous that the NHL has even allowed this system to go this far. But as I said, for, for me, it's probably more of a storyline. I'm still going to be watching the playoffs this season regardless if the Canucks get knocked out or not I think there's a lot of good teams in there oh Brady you got something yeah I just mean what I was trying to say before about I think it's good like the mystery pick it's good for for the whole NHL like and I mean in a time where there's nothing going on with COVID it's it's it it gets everybody involved so it's kind of the best case scenario if you want to say for the NHL because now every team that's involved there you got you got the 16 teams playing plus the seven there's pretty much the whole league is waiting to see if they're going to get this pick. So, yeah. I mean, it's good for the NHL. Uh, like, okay, I'll challenge that a little bit. Is it good for the NHL in the short term? Yeah, probably. Is it good for the NHL in the long term for something like this to happen, though? No. No. I mean, like in what in what scenario? Like this year's draft or like the way they've been kind of doing it? Over? I mean, just, yeah, I mean, I guess the last time something weird like this came up was like lockout season, Penguins as a franchise are struggling. They're talking about the team going under and being disbanded completely. Boom. Sidney Crosby, first overall lottery draft. Pittsburgh Penguins saves yeah. the franchise. So yeah, it's the exact so same situation, right? Not that Lafreniere is anything that Sidney Crosby is. I would wager to say that I'm not even sure he's the number one overall pick in this draft five years down the road. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's long-term – long-term a good thing for the league that they're doing something this right now okay well you know i just want to jump in there you're talking about him and crosby a bit i just got to ask you like you see you know lafreniere he's he's going to be a big thing in the nhl he might not be crosby-esque but where, where do you see him you know filling in, in the nhl is he going to be like in the same realm as patrick kane or austin matthews or where do you see I, this guy i don't i don't think so i, I think he's going to be a very good player 
Um, and I don't know what his comparable is to, you know, this current fleet of NHLers that are available, but I don't see him in a, a Patrick Kane type role where he's winning scoring titles. Uh, I don't see him as a Sidney Crosby. Obviously, I think the next tier to that is probably Nathan McKinnon. I don't see him as that. Um, but I could see him, you know, as... Uh, say you throw him on the Canucks. What's, what's is, the he, is he what's immediately... Out, what's his face out in the, out in the Islanders? Like, why can't... I Barzell. Just, just one... Barzell. Yeah, I could see him as like a Barzell type. Like, uh, you know, a 75 to 85 point forward. You know, maybe, maybe a PD type. You know, a guy who maybe has a potential to win the scoring title, but isn't in that first tier. Like, we would all agree that that Petey's not at at the level of a Crosby Ovechkin type. Mm-hmm. He's not even at the level of like a McKinnon type or or guys like that, right? So, mm-hmm. can he possibly ascend to that point? Yeah, but I don't think he's he's a what would would what we would call probably a generational player. I don't think he's one of those guys. All right. Well, if he was to come on the Canucks, like, would he would he have a chance at immediately being our best player? Not the best player. No, I don't think so. But he'd start. Okay. He'd start on those top let's, two lines. Let's yeah. Let's do that's a that's a that's a good point, Ryan. Like let's use last year's number one overall pick as an example. I just thought Lafreniere was a little bit higher than for recent years. He's pretty dynamic. I, 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 I could I could be wrong. I just I don't I don't know too much about the guy honestly. Yeah, like I, like what was the talk about Jack Hughes coming out of the past year? Oh, see, I thought I saw the I thought Lafreniere was way bigger than. Hughes ever from what it sounds like he's going to be the bigger player but you're right Ted I see where you're going with this as far as Jack Hughes being good kind of he can do everything he can slot in instantly in your lineup and you know he's you know not necessarily a game breaker first thing I think I I see that feeling not quite at like a Jack Eichel but maybe more like a Johnny T down the road or a Steven Stamkos where it takes you know, a handful of years before he becomes an absolute dominant game breaker. But I mean, he's got the the moves there. He's got the the potential. He's also on a mm-hmm. team that really struggled this year, and you know, it's it, it's unfortunate to see a star like that, you know, kind of be injected into the NHL right away. But he's going to learn how to play in the pro league, and even one year the way it's been played is a lot better than going back and playing in the USHL or whatever. So um, you're right. I, I I see where you're going with it, Ted. For me, I see Lafreniere as a way better player um, from what I've seen, whether it's been in the World Juniors. Like, he just he was inserted in the lineup, and instantly you noticed him. Instantly he was making a difference. But if it was me, and I was the Canucks, and here's a bold way to go, even though he's a center, let's say the Canucks get that pick, just conversation's sake, I would go and get Byfield. Only because you could trade down to that second pick to get him because then you know Lafreniere is going one. I think that's essentially a given. There may be a handful of teams that would have Byfield as number one, and it's entirely possible they do, but Lafreniere is kind of the consensus number one for the most part. Again, we that can maybe be debated. But if you move down to two, now all of a sudden you can add another high-end pick, potentially in the first round, most likely in the first round, and now that JT Miller trade all of a sudden looks like an absolute steal because now not only are you either getting that, but you can now trade away and you don't have to worry. Maybe you traded away for next year's first round or however that works. Now all of a sudden the Canucks have basically made it a moot point. They've added back that pick either this year or next year, and they still get a player out of it. Yeah, I like that idea. I mean, that's I. I'm a big Byfield fan too. I think that this is this is a player that could be a Jothan type for sure, mm-hmm. right? In terms yep. of playing style and what he can do on the ice and and anchoring a first unit. And I know that PD's there, but man, everybody knows that you win with two strong centers. So or three. Yeah, I, or three. I, so I like this scenario too. And look, I'm not taking away anything from Lafreniere. I think he's a heck of a player. I'm just saying that I don't think he's in that Nate McKinnon status where we're talking about the top tier of players. I don't think he's there. I think he can get there for sure. I think he could probably have a couple of seasons where he'd be there. Sure. But in terms of where he's at right now, yeah, he looks like the best player on the ice for sure. Yeah, man. I mean, like I said earlier, I don't know too much about Lafreniere, but I got to disagree with you from what I do know, because I've heard Lafreniere's name since I was like, f- since he was like 15 years old. And I haven't heard about a kid like that since Crosby. So, but so be you think he's generational then? 
I think he's Whoa. not gonna be as good as Crosby, like, but he's gonna be he's gonna be good. Like he's gonna be You think he's Nathan he's McKinnon? Gonna be up there. Yeah, I mean McKinnon I want... doesn't have any cups yet. What about I mean, Connor? No, 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 no. What about David's Jack? out of the question, but uh, no, I'm just. Saying... I mean, I make a comparison to him, like uh, maybe not even Drysaddle anymore. But you know how Drysaddle came in in his first year, and he only lasted like 40 games. No, 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 not lasted. Uh, that's that's the wrong word. They okay. they totally botched um, Drysaddle. Dragged along. Yeah, Drysaddle <laughs> was abused, and he should have never gone back to junior. The Oilers totally botched that situation. Didn't allow him to mm-hmm. go to Germany for the World Juniors. Absolutely dominated in the dub as we all got to see live. Came back. Yeah. McDavid gets hurt to start the season. Drysettle mm-hmm. becomes the guy he is, and they would have been just ridiculous to. I, I mean, I still get upset about that, and I don't even like the Oilers, and I think that was one of the stupidest things they could have done. <laughs> I know what you're it saying, was, yeah, it was pretty ridiculous, but I was happy that year because I had I had season tickets to the Rockets that year. Yeah, dry <laughs> well, I'm not back. complaining. So it was pretty great, like <laughs> so I wasn't complaining. Um, but uh, I was. You were talking about uh, trading down for the second pick, and it got me wondering, like, do you think if it's at all possible we could possibly trade? Would Ottawa trade the third and fifth for the first? Sure, they would. Oh yeah, I mean, wouldn't that's... you? I mean, if I'm the Canucks, I'd probably do that. In a heartbeat. And but I mean, you could also work with you could also work with Detroit or Ottawa and try to. Uh, Look, I gotta I gotta make sure that I'm getting Sally, one. Maybe a Louis Erickson or Sven Berkey. <laughs> yeah, I gotta make sure that I'm getting one of the the top two in that draft if I'm gonna make a, a pick a trade down to third. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I feel like it's hard to pass on by filling Lafreniere. Fair enough. But so if I mean, you get it, Ted, if you got you wouldn't, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't do it for two picks, like third and fifth pick? Well, and, and how stacked it, this year's draft is? I guess it depends <laughs> on what your scouting staff thinks of of what three and five are. Or mm-hmm. like are the sum of are the sum of parts and three and five worth worth to what one or two is? Yeah. Like yeah. like uh, am I gonna am I gonna trade am I gonna trade twenty bucks for fifteen bucks? Now we're getting so. You're... Are you gonna trade a twenty dollar bill for two tens though? No. Well, I don't no. think that's. I don't it's think that's the same thing. That's equal, right? I think that the the top two players in this draft are, are heads and tails above the rest. Yeah. But I mean, I think I think the only way I'm trading down is if, if I'm getting rid of a big contract and I'm getting an extra player out of it as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's the scenario that everyone's been talking about, and I'm on board with that. I get that for sure. Mm-hmm. But if we're just talking straight picks, then then it's gonna take. I think you're going to have to add to the pot if that's if I'm walking on if I'm walking on one of those two players for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, well what about if we just say say the chance we 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 land the number 1 pick, we draft Lafreniere. Like what are the Canucks doing then? I mean, are they are they ready for the cup like right away? What's what's happening? No, no, like uh, sorry Ryan, unless you want to go on this too, but no, you go for but it. I would say I would say no, and I think actually Ryan just dropped like a, a bunch of good reasons and comparisons why it wouldn't be let's go for the cup right away. I mean, we we just talked about Chicago and growing pains and learning years with, with two, not just one, but two uh, elite players in Taze and Kane, uh, not to mention that they had guys like Seabrook and they had guys like Duncan Keith and so on and so forth, a young Dustin Bufflin. Uh, we're talking about Washington. We're talking about Pittsburgh. We're talking about LA and NZ Kopitar and Drew Doughty. Like all of those teams had serious, serious growing pains that they had to go through over multiple years before they finally figured it out and won a cup. So I would say if your question is like, are they ready for a cup in the next two to three years? Colorado's another one with Nate McKinnon, uh, Rantanen. I would say no. They're not. They're going to follow the same direction as every other team, and we can't expect a guy like. Uh, Lefrenier or Byfield to to propel us into cup contention. Not alone, anyway. Not alone, no. Yeah. I mean, that defense still only has conceivably Quinn Hughes. You know, one one quality, high quality defender on that squad. Yeah, but I guess what I what I'm trying to say as well, though, is like the fact that Lefrenier can immediately jump into the top six and make an impact. He makes uh, he makes it a little easier for the Canucks to make some moves, maybe, maybe move a Brock Besser or move, you know, someone like that to acquire a good defenseman, and then, then maybe maybe the Canucks are looking a little more prettier than they are now. 
Hey, it's Ryan from the PP1 Podcast on Cryer Media. If you're looking for a spot to advertise your company, your brand, your cheese wheel, some beer, maybe some donuts, this is the spot. Reach out to me via DM on Twitter or Instagram at always94, and I'd be more than happy to chat with you. Worst case scenario, we just become best friends. And how awesome does that sound? That's a whole other conversation, though, I think. Like it's, I think, I think your main conversation from what I'm getting anyway is right away with that player adding, you know, being added to the lineup would that make them by all means, you're right. If, if they were able to draft one of those two guys, um, you know, does that make a few other guys accessible? Absolutely. And that's, that's, then that's where the GM comes in and then they're pro scouts as well and figuring out what other players that they can add to the mix uh, based on having a player like that. And you're right, adding, you know, subtracting Brock Besser for something potentially like a Minnesota or something. Yeah, then those are conversations you would have. But that uh, that's a cart before the horse thing, I think. So, But we've, we've got other things to go into because we're still uh, – we still need to even play hockey and we still need to decide where they're actually going to be playing hockey. And Dr. Bonnie Henry – layeth the smack down on the NHL and said, not here, not in my house. She did the Dikembe Mutombo, and it was over. So now I guess the word looks like, and oh, and Vegas is out too, apparently, because, you know, they had a spike. Who knew? It's almost like when you open up one of the cities that has, you know, massive amounts of COVID going through the city and like, oh, let's just open it up wrong city to do that in there's too many people there's too many opportunities for this virus to spread now it looks like i believe if i'm not mistaken toronto and edmonton are and i think there's one more u.s city but it sounds like somehow toronto and edmonton become um kind of the two favorites and i'm gonna say this for yet another week i still do not think this is going to happen there's been way too many things that have happened that have basically gone against what should happen. There's there's just too many signs. There's there's too many hurdles, too many roadblocks in this return to play, whether it comes down to um, contractual reasons or where they're going to play the games or how long they have to quarantine or all these other things, how they're saying that they'll keep playing if somebody gets covid Austin Matthews got it, which that probably wasn't supposed to come out when it did. But what happens if Sidney Crosby gets it? What happens if Leon Dreisaitl gets it? What happens if Brock Besser gets it or Elias Pettersson or whoever? All these guys are going to the same two cities. So there's a good chance it could happen. You know why? Because that's how viruses work. They just don't. They just go and they're like, we're going to pick you. And you're the lucky winner of a disease. So it's not good. So what I'm saying is... Just I, I, and I know I want hockey back so so bad. I enjoy talking to you guys about things, about whatever we can <laughs> like, fill. Like, like things. You but know. I would so much rather be talking about how Quinn Hughes had a four point night, or how Brock Bester found a scoring touch again, or how Petey went bar down the first minute into the game, or how Markstrom made a goal line save with his glove, and that's all we're going to talk about for the next six months. Those are the things I do want to talk about. I really don't believe the NHL and a few sports, I truly believe, will have a full comeback this season. And I think they just need to air it out, let the COVID happen, and get back to it. Like like we were just congratulating Bo Horvat. He had his kid. Hey, Bo, we mm-hmm. need you to go play hockey now. We're also going to put you in the way of a potential, you know, you know world world-threatening uh, virus, but uh, you're going to be cool. You're a hockey player. You'll have the best doctors. You can still have the best doctors and get this virus. There. Yeah, I, I think... Like... Go ahead, Ted. No, uh, mine's just a quick comment, and then you should go for it. But I, I, I don't know, Brady, maybe you felt this too, but the whole time you're talking about, like, it's a virus, small city, like, all the people, like, I'm, I'm literally picturing Jeff Goldblum give his speech <laughs> in Jurassic Park about life. Uh, eh. <laughs> finds life finds a way uh you know life uh life finds a way like this whole time like, all i can see is, is the speech from jurassic park and goldblum doing his thing at chaos theory Anyways, oh go my ahead. god ted you're not gonna believe this <laughs> you've never I, seen I, jurassic I shit, park i shit you not i watched jurassic park the lost world today <laughs> uh, none of them are as good as good. The 
they're all really fun. Oh, it's a great one. Um, yeah, uh, I think. I think a lot of the players, man, they're just frustrated with it. Have you guys seen Ryan Kessler on Twitter lately, man? Yes. He's going crazy. Um, players, I don't think they really want to play, and uh, they're not getting paid. Uh, and I know there's over uh, there's a bunch of bonuses that are uh, paid out on July 1st tomorrow. Louis oh, Erickson's yeah. got a five million dollar bonus waiting for him. There's over three hundred million dollars in bonuses that are need to be paid out tomorrow that aren't going to get paid out. Like, so what's going to happen? I mean, players are furious. So why play? When you're not getting paid. We should have a lottery for one of those bonuses. <laughs> and I want to be involved. Uh like I don't know. The players are right. Like I don't I don't know about yeah. you guys. I don't ever feel bad for the owners in these situations. Like they got it so good. It like changed around player collective bargaining agreements or not. Like they're they're multi million and billionaires. Like pay out you sign a contract it doesn't matter about work stoppage like you're planning on playing pay out pay out assigned mm -hmm. bonuses that players are entitled to like you're mm -hmm. I, don't, I just don't feel bad for an owner in this situation i i find it hard to believe that anybody would feel bad for an owner or ownership groups in, in any of these situations there are people too, i hear Ted. you there are people go too. ahead ran there are people too <laughs> I mean, Power I, to the people. I don't feel Hunters bad, are but... people too, but we still count them as football players and they get hit as well. That's true. That's fair. But uh, we're talking about bonuses, and I know, Brady, you kind of, I think you added in the rundown about uh, little things, Louie. Yeah, I mean, we're, we owe them $5 million tomorrow. And mm -hmm. like we owe, the, we owe the league. The league is owed, players are owed over $300 million just in bonuses. Like I said before, it's just, there's too much going on, and I just, I don't see this working out. Like, don't get me wrong. Today, I saw a slow motion video. I mean, everybody saw it. Pedersen shooting the puck, looking at the camera, giving it the old "I'm back, baby," and it was like the greatest thing that happened since like sliced bread. But uh, I, I just don't think that we're gonna see hockey. No, as good as as his golf shots were, that that bar down shot looked a lot better. Um, it was nice. Speaking yeah. of Louis bonus, I was talking to Scoops on Twitter before the podcast. Um, Scoops, aka Rick Dollywall. Um, and he's going to be joining us first week of August, um, on the podcast. So he's, uh, he's, he's been kind of right overloaded on. if you've been listening to other Canucks podcasts lately. Um, he's a sought after, um, interview, but, uh, yeah, he's been uh, wanting to come on ours, believe it or not. And we had a chat a little while ago, but I'd asked him about, uh, Louie and with the bonus and once he gets paid out. So after that, that bonus gets paid out tomorrow, um, he has $5 million in real money left for the last two years of his contract of real money. So <laughs> that being said, I mean, that's still a lot of money. Um, there were some people that were saying he might call it a career. He doesn't think that's going to happen. They're saying maybe they'll send him to Utica, um, that it's going to be interesting. But, you know, the fact that now that Louis has been paid that, that signing bonus at, on July 1, I mean, that's, you're, he's getting three sheets. That's pretty decent. Um, mm -hmm. that does make him a little bit more expendable, um, going for it of again, whatever that kind of looks like, but now all of a sudden that's less money that the Canucks are on the hook for. And now they can start structuring something where, you know, it may be a sweetener to get rid of that contract, but it doesn't cost as much as it did this past season or a season ago. So what, what do you guys think? I hate bringing up Louie because it's the low-hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. Brady, I, I'll let you go first, but what do you think about that? No, I, yeah, I mean, the like the situation, it's it's complicated. Um, like, at first, I like I would agree with you. But then at the same time, like, hearing that the, the cap's going to be flat for three years and, you know, we don't know anything about a free buyout or anything yet. Like, if, we, if the cap's staying flat and we don't get a free buyout, the Canucks are screwed. And like no teams are gonna like just sit around and be like, okay, like yeah, we'll take Erickson for nothing. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna get what they need from us, like a good pick or or whatever. So I think it's gonna be costly. It's I think it's gonna cost us more, to be honest. Good teams find a way to win. Good yeah, teams. teams that are teams that are in a situation to take on heavy amounts of cap are gonna pillage the league for picks. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. and any one of them who doesn't in this situation is an absolute laughing stock. Like they have the ability now more than ever, knowing that it's a three-year out plan on a flat cap to mm -hmm. weaponize cap space. And mm -hmm. and anyone who's not doing that can't 
like has to be looking at contracts like like Louis and just absolutely salivating. So they're going to wreck a team's future for a couple of years down the road. But you got to do what you got to do, and good teams find a way to win. And they start by doing things like this, Ryan. So serious question though. Before we get into another serious question, um, are you guys a flat cap kind of person or like a curved cap kind of person? Oh, definitely curved. Curved, okay. I mean, I'll buy the flat brim hats as well, but gotta curve them. Okay, so I just figured it's it's topical. It's topical. Keep it keep it light, you know. Yeah, isn't it flat flat brim though? It's flat. Yeah, you know days. what? We're yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to stay relevant. Ted. Jeez. <laughs> like I'm I'm a, I'm aware a flat like a like a fifty nine fifty, but yep. like curve it ever so slightly. So that it's it, it was actually my forehead. It was actually Ted that taught me the whole. Uh, the whole trick about how to uh, properly oh, curve your hats back at JC. He also taught me how to uh, unhook the little stitching if the hat's a little oh, too tight. I thought this was going somewhere else for a second. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, that did sound pretty Interesting bad, stuff. He should really how to be a man. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, so anyway. that's impressive. Um, you know what we haven't done? And I'm pretty sure it's Ted's turn this week. Um, dudes and guys. Dudes and guys. Dudes and guys. Brought to you by Players Choice Sports Cards and Collectibles. They are a diamond dealer of Upper Deck. They are also one of a handful of officially licensed Upper Deck retailers that ha are able to sell online. Um, we just did a case break tonight with Ingrained. I didn't do so well. Um, I don't need to get into that, but there were some absolutely sweet cards in that one. This this uh, series Ingrained, they do like a lot of sticks, like skate stick blades and. Like oh, cool. sign, sign Macar, like synthetic or like uh, composites and everything. So there's pieces of these blades or or there's actual wood cards that are like signed. There's like a Henrik Sedin wood card that was signed. Um, there's uh, they've got kind of like a wood back or there's like a piece of wood. And then they have like on the Art Ross, you know, like the little um, the little plates, the circle plates on the Art Ross trophy. You know, like when you see the Art Ross, they've got all the little circles that are around the base there. Okay, yeah, yeah. So they've got like a card with like that circle that the player, um, his like not the logo, but I guess the Art Ross logo, and then the player's name and the year he won it on there. Super, super cool. Um, anyway, you definitely got to check these guys out. They are our, our sponsor this segment, and we do have might even have a bonus episode this week. Uh, I was talking with Jason. We might have a, a chat about uh, kind of things that are going on right now in uh, some of the big cards that have been up for sale lately. Um, Connor McDavid and LeBron James just had his rookie go for, I think I saw like 90 grand or something like that. So uh, we're kind of working on something and maybe get some more giveaways, get some more uh, content for us as well. But uh, a player's choice, they are an absolutely amazing shop. Uh, they will take care of you um, if you're looking for cards and collectibles. And right now, when there's nothing else to do, it's a pretty sweet place to be. So, Ted, you are up. Who are we debating? Uh we are debating this week, and I love to keep this from specifically you, Brady, and drop it on you guys at the last <laughs> second to make sure that you guys don't have time to do a bunch of research, and then I feel like it comes from the heart. I don't even know how to use the internet. This week's student, guys, is Henrik Sedin versus Pavel Bure. So, yeah, good luck with that. Who's up? Uh, we'll give B a little bit of time to research. I know he's lightning quick on the keyboards. Hank, your go. We're talking about, you know, you know, both are elite players, both are surefire Hall of Famers. Uh, well, maybe not surefires. Um, we'll see. Uh, completely different, though. We're talking about one is the the goal scoring champ of possibly the world, uh, and then we're talking about the other who might have the softest mitts out there when it comes to to, to given sauce. So, uh, one's a captain, one was not a captain. Both went on long cup runs, were the focal points of their offenses. Uh, but yeah, very, very different players. Couldn't get any different. Um, but I'd like to see what you guys have to say. So this is a tough one for me because Henrik is, uh, my oldest daughter's favorite player. And, uh, that, 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 that does make it tough because Pavel's my favorite player. And he was the reason I became a Canuck fan. Um, there's also apparently uh, a movement going out there that I saw online, uh, uh, Sarah Sivian, who covers uh, the Hurricanes, and she was saying how she's going to start a movement just to get Daniel in alone next year. <laughs> so there's going to be a case basically to like, 
to basically be like a smear campaign for Henrik. Yeah. And, and then I they thought, were throwing shade at her like she like people thought she meant it or something. Oh, which is I thought hilarious. that was so, so funny. So I, I mean that was great. We could have her on. I would kinda yeah. I've been I've been trying to get her. Um I think that would be so, so funny, but uh only because I appreciate <laughs> a really funny joke. Because um, let's be ridiculous, Henrik is an absolute first ballot Hall of Famer, as is Daniel. I, I don't think anyone in hockey will debate that. If you do, you're an idiot. Um, they've they've proven time and time again that obviously they're ambassadors of the game. Um, you know, points wise, like the way just all their little numbers and all the little random things, how they scored at the 22nd minute and the 33rd second, or they had X amount of games, 22, 33, like all these ridiculous actual numbers um, that form their career, I just think is absolutely bonkers. But back to the debate, I really don't know, like, what what is the criteria when we're picking? Because one, like, are we saying, like, just who's the, the who's the... I think that's a, that's a lame question, man. It's dudes and guys, it's whatever your criteria okay. is. That you, okay, last okay. Last week we picked criteria based on who was more handsome, so... It's, it's your call. That's, that's, well, I think that's I do think point. though. Like, let me interject. Okay. I do think okay. that when we did change to this criteria of doing like certain players pitting them against each other, I think we did say like, who would we pick to put on our team? Like, who would we base? Like, who would we pick? Who's our dude over the other guy? Like, you know what? Okay, that's but fine. I guess you that's could good. you could be kind of put it as your own criteria. No, that's good. So. That's that's fine. And I I appreciate that, Brady, because that that does give me a little bit more context. Yeah, whatever you guys need to say to justify to make your picks, I feel like is okay. With me. So I can't pick McGilney or Daniel. So that's fair. Okay. <laughs> so um, you know what? I'm I'm gonna go with my obvious pick because he didn't need anybody to make him a star. He didn't need a twin. He didn't need, really, he probably didn't even need a center. They had him on the PK because I think it was fairly obvious that as soon as they got out of the box, they could just springboard Pavel into the other zone, which kind of made sense. Um, probably, even if you weren't a Canucks fan, as they've said time and time again, probably one of, if not the most electrifying guy um, to score a goal. He was so fast, and he had the hands at the same time when a lot of guys would be blessed to have one or the other. He had both somehow. And watching him live, watching him live on TV, um, watching Pavel just do what he did. There are so many highlight reels out there, whether they're for Florida or Russia or the Canucks, even the Rangers. Pavel was able to do it all. He was able to – he had some pretty good passes. He had a nice little uh, elbow sauce on Shane Churla in the playoffs, which no <laughs> one will forget. It's brutally illegal of what he did, but we don't need to go there. What he did with the puck and his just wizardry, he kind of created that wizardry before there was sedinery. And watching that guy score a goal, the way he could score a goal, the things he would try when – if you were a junior player and you tried the same things, you'd be benched probably for the rest of the game because there's no reason you should have done that. You should have just played the game normally. He was on another level, and it really sucks that knee injuries essentially took away a good chunk of his career. And it does suck that he had to go back to Florida because I think, you know, however that whole situation had to go down, um, it's a shame that, that Pavel didn't get to at least pl play a lot longer in Vancouver. But uh, I, I hate to say it because, you know, the guy I'm leaving in the dirt is Henrik, but Pavel Bure is my dude this week. Brady, like it. tough one. I'm not sure you left any, 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 anything for Brady there to grasp at, but. Um, he scored <laughs> so many goals. Me? I like that. All right, guys. Um, <laughs> well, uh, you know, I can't believe I'm going to say this because. I'm a massive Beret fan. Um, but like I said before, um, this dudes and guys is about who you'd put on your team to win the game. And uh, I got to go with Henrik Sedin uh, for quite a few different reasons. Um, one, one of the best passers to ever play the game for the Canucks. Um, and uh, two, he had over a thousand points in his career amazing no kidding and uh also i mean he put his heart and soul into this team that's something uh, i mean beret did when he was here but uh 
you don't see it anymore as much with Bure. I mean, you know, he didn't come out for uh, the 50th, which was a bit of a, which hurt a little bit. I didn't um, see Linden in there a lot just either. Like at the end of the day, I, I think I got to go with Henrik Sedin just for everything he's done for the Canucks. And I think uh, he would make the players around him better. And that's something Bure can't really do himself. That's a hey, stiff argument I, there. I like it. Admirable. He he definitely is a is a is a likable guy, a likable captain, does all the things that you need a captain to do. Um but I gotta go beret on this one myself. Uh I mean if we're talking about points per game as a Canuck, I mean he had four hundred and eighty nine of them in four hundred and twenty eight games. Uh you know, the guy scored twenty one hat tricks. If we're talking about putting teams on his back and contributing in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, he was over a point per game in the playoffs as well, which I think was like, you know, pretty outstanding in terms of um, what this Canuck offense was. Like teams, teams literally figured in to find a way to stop just specifically Bure. And I know that the Twins had each other, and that's all the things that we liked them for as well. But you're right, Ryan. I think you talked about the fact that like it didn't matter who was on his squad. He stepped in. He stepped in from day one. And and instantly was a point per game player. Was he was the most exciting player the second he stepped on the ice for the Vancouver Canucks. The very first shift. The very first shift, right? So, I I think the the Twins eventually became that. They were the most exciting players for the Canucks, and we can never deny them that. But it took them time to grow into that role, where Bure was the man, effective day one. All those goals. I mean, we're talking about. Oh, geez, how many seasons? It was like one, two, three, three seasons of, of, of 50 or more goals. We're talking about seasons of 59, 58, and 60. Um, sorry, four seasons. So, I mean, just a monumental player that you had to game plan against at all times. Yeah, he definitely didn't play as many games as Henrik did, for sure. And if longevity is part of this argument, uh, then, then Henrik wins that one, like, hands down. It's not even close. But if we're talking about who's the NHLer that we're sticking on this squad based on his time as a Canuck and what he could do. It's it's for me, it's gotta be Beret. Um, and again, never to take anything away from Henrik, but we're talking about guys that can impact the game. And for me, this guy is the elite level hall of fame status. Um, and that puts him just a little bit of a cut above for me for, for Henrik Sedin. You know, what's cool. I, lo- I love that, that take Ted, you know what I was just thinking as you're kind of getting into there, Pavel didn't have a preseason. He just came and they injected him into the lineup, right? He played against mm-hmm. Winnipeg that first game, right? Whereas Petey had, um, he had a preseason to play. He had a training camp, and that that preseason was god awful. I remember watching that final game in Kelowna here against Arizona. I thought, here we go again. This team is going to suck. It was so boring, and yet I was excited to see Patterson play. And then that very first game, you guys both remember, PD against Calgary, and all bets were off. That first shot, we all knew he became wow. he became an electrifying superstar that everyone had to pay attention to. Pavel did that exact thing in that first game. And I think it would have had a very similar um, progression model as PD. Different type of player, obviously, but that same electricity... Um, I think comes right now from from PD, not from Quinn Hughes because he's a different type of player, and definitely not from Brock Besser. But I look at at PD and Pavel, and I think they're definitely cut from that that similar cloth. Anyway, they're you know as a person and everything, those those are you know different things. I'm talking just when it comes to hockey and a game breaking player, a, an electrifying guy that you have to game plan for. And eventually, I think Pet- Pedersen's going to get back to that as well. That, you know, even though guys have figured him out, he's going to find a new way to to change his game and become that kind of player that Pavel was. I, I hope anyway. But uh, I was just kind of thinking about that, that Pavel kind of had that, that same kind of start or vice versa that, that Petey had, um, which is kind of a, a neat parallel anyway. I, w- I will say that if, if you're going to, like, hang your hat on something, I mean, Henrik was first round third overall. I mean, Pav wasn't selected until the sixth round, 113th. Overall. He was probably never even going to well, make it. For completely it. different reasons. So, so, so true. 
hear my hear my sarcasm. He was probably oh. never going to make it being a six-round draft pick. Underdog story. So, I story. mean, draft, uh, draft value alone, you got to give it to Pav. Underdog story, big time. <laughs> He's basically Tom Brady. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, sure. Same thing. <laughs> Same thing. Not even close. Jeez. Okay, good one there. I like I like both arguments, so Brady. No, it's a good one. I mean, I, I didn't really get to contribute as much as I would have liked, uh, but um, as as just a, as a as a favorite player, I would have picked Beret for sure. But um, you know, so that that is a tough one. It's one that's really got me scratching my head, man. I mean, Henrik is essentially Mr. Canuck, right? So it's I mean, hard to deny a guy of that. And he did some pretty great things that like the Beret never did. Like, I mean, he won the Art Ross and uh, he won the MVP award. I don't think uh, I don't think Beret did either of those things. Beret was the first winner of the Rocket Richard Trophy. Yes, and multiple times. Anyway, he didn't. He didn't need to win all those main ones. He was too busy scoring goals. I wonder, oh man, how, how much fun would it be to watch a guy like Beret play in in today's era? Oh, I would love it. I'm still because waiting for was, that player. Oh yeah, I he, thought he if Finneganoff was, was going to be that guy. I I would like to one day just just. You know, we, I'm sure we can talk about it, but who is the the purest goal scorer ever to play? And I'm not talking about like Sergey Berezin scoring 30 goals and only having 12 assists, well, but I'm talking about who is the most like the purest NHL goal scorer that's out there. Well, we know and the answer to that. Obviously, Burray's got to be in that conversation, right? I mean, if everything's if everything's fair and everything's healthy, who who is it really? Well, it's Ovechkin, and then it's Burray. For me, anyway. I, th- I think Ovi. Now I didn't get yeah, to see. I, we didn't get to see, you know, the the guys before, like um, Rocket Richard, or I know he bossy. was, or Bossy. Like, yeah, Mike Bossy was an absolute terror. Um, we didn't get to see those guys play. We didn't get to see. I mean, I saw Mario Lemieux play, but he was a playmaker and a goal scorer, and he was like a power forward. Um, mm-hmm. But I think just like that release and just scoring goals, like that's what you do. Um, I I think it for me it would be Ovi, and only because. Just continues to score goals, and Gretzky he does it in the modern era too. Yeah, he's, so he's done it. He's done it through a few different versions of the NHL, and yeah. he's still making it look so easy, and it's so predictable. You know, how can that guy get in the exact same spot game after game after game, and still score so many goals? And Pavel was yeah, the same way. Yeah, you're right, Ryan. Like you know what's coming, but you can't stop it, right? I mean, he's got a bit of Yager in him, right? Where Yager. You know, you know, Ovi was was fast and electrifying, and he had that beret feel to him, where he would just beat guys wide and so on and so forth, and use his speed. But I mean, he slowly turned into this like powerhouse who just sits on the hash marks and lets clappers go, but also just manhandles kids, right? I mean, that's what Yager did, right? I mean, he had that big Yager bum. You couldn't stop 240 pound Yager when he felt like going to the net, and Ovi's got that in him, right? I mean, the guy is no slouch. He's a huge human being. Um, and he's definitely learned how to use his size over the years. So he's just like Yager. He's definitely learned to adapt and change to the NHL as, as his, his body and his style has changed over the years. Yeah. Yager's in there for sure too. Top five. That'd be a good yeah. topic to talk about. For you guys sure. got to do yourself a favor after this and go look up. Uh, so Yammer Yager, obviously, but go look up the Jagerim Jarg rookie card. Cause it's an absolute beauty. I'm assuming a spelling mistake. <laughs> I'm assuming it's a massive spelling mistake. No, it's not. It's uh, somebody just had a little fun oh. messing around with messing around with a Yager rookie card. But uh, yeah, maybe I'll share. Maybe I'll share it after this. After Yikes. this episode. Well, boys, um, we might as well get going. It's getting close to uh, the witching hour. I don't know what that means, but I've heard it a few times, <laughs> and it sounded like a really good opportunity to use it. And now I sound like I know what I'm talking about. That I'm very well educated and and rehearsed. Um, any final words, Brady? What do you got to say? <laughs> I don't think so, man. Uh, I'm happy to see uh, the Canucks back at Rogers Arena. I'm not really sure how much further it's going to get than that, but it's good to see. Yeah. It happy is Canada Day, guys. Oh, that's nice. Ted, any uh, any final words for our, our podcast listeners? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the third week in a row, we've been nominated for Best Podcast in Kelowna. Uh, for the Kelowna Now website. So 
uh, I would just encourage anybody, if you've had a chance to listen to the podcast and you enjoy it, um, to not only go to the Kelowna Now website and vote for many of your local businesses that you love and support, but maybe also throw a vote to the PP1 podcast way and see what we can do because I think we got a chance to win this thing. I don't, I don't even think people realize what this actually does mean to us. The fact that we're in our inaugural season, in our rookie season, we get nominated for the award for best podcast. This is the Stanley Cup of Kelowna podcasting. <laughs> I, I really don't know how many podcasts are actually in Kelowna, but, you know, there could be more than we know about. Yeah, that, that could be we more. might be the only one. We Yeah. The other ones might just be like fronts or something. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Voting ends on Friday. It is uh, Tuesday today. So make sure you get out and vote. It is. It does take a little bit to get through it, but you know, vote for the obvious ones. Um, you can vote for, for my company. Um, I work for Okanagan Hardwood Flooring. A subtle, uh, subtle plug. Um, please vote for them because we get a sticker too if we win. So, um, <laughs> But make sure, yeah, vote for us rate review and subscribe on apple Podcasts. check us out on I, I forgot we're on stitcher um on definitely on spotify brady i know you and ted are more spotify kind of guys i'm trying to warm up to spotify it's not i'm not quite there yet but i i, I like me some apple i can't help it i'm sorry but uh, make sure you guys uh like go in there and help us beat these algorithms as you've heard um get us ranked to the 44th because we're on the 44th episode um, best Canucks podcast and we're, we're climbing we're getting there um, but uh, yeah rate review and subscribe and all that jazz check us out on Twitter and Instagram check out our Facebook check out Players Choice um, that's pretty much it I think I think that that's it for this week I just got uh, a, a tweet from Chris Faber he is jacked for Friday uh, for our, our pierogies potentially as he said pierogies so I think we might have to do that to start anyway. So uh, Chris Faber, um, the the one and only, is coming to K Town. So we're gonna show him a good time while while he's here. And other than that, guys, yeah, Brady, you said it best. Happy Canada Day! It's our nation's birthday tomorrow. Celebrate with no fireworks in Kelowna, but and social distancing. I have a Roman candle at my house, so ten o'clock. Up at my house. We'll make this happen for a Roman Peace out. Awesome. Peace out, guys. Peace. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon.